Hello and welcome to The Arrow. This is episode number two, and this is Coastal Leadership Academy's podcast. Hope you enjoyed our first episode last week. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, go check it out now. It's with Chuck Walker and Joe Greenberg, and we talk about how Coastal Leadership Academy is the cool indie rock station of public high schools. I have two new guests with me today. Uh, they are Maddie Kaufman, a new teacher, along with me, a new teacher here at Coastal Leadership Academy, and a legend, uh, Nick Smaldone. Nick is uh, a math and computer science teacher here and manages, handles all things technical technology at the school. Would you agree with that? You're like the go-to? I'll, I'll throw in the attempts to. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll put a caveat in there. <laughs> Let's start off, Maddie. Um uh, you're new to CLA like I am. Um, tell people a little bit about your background, where you where you come from, uh, what drew you to Coastal Leadership Academy, and uh, what you're going to be doing here. All right, absolutely. Um, well, hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. Um, <clears throat> so I um, originally am from Pennsylvania. I went to State University, uh, got my degree in business economics, um, but have always been intrigued with lifelong learning. Uh, both my parents were actually educators, uh, so it's sort of in my blood. Um, and then I actually lived down here in the Myrtle Beach area for a couple years, but worked in corporate and then just kind of realized that that just wasn't... Um, wasn't my passion, wasn't wasn't my um, calling. So I moved back to Pennsylvania and I was able to secure a position as a business and computer technology teacher. Uh, and during that time, then I took night classes at a local university, Shippensburg, um, to get my teaching cert. Uh, and then kind of wrapping that all up, I taught for eight years, um, recently got my master's in online education. And my husband and I just found ourselves really missing the sun sand and sea. And so we started to kind of explore um, options for jobs and careers in the area. And I stumbled across CLA. Um, and I think for me, one of the biggest things is is that it is, it is non-traditional um, and it provides so many opportunities for students to explore their whys and their passions. Um, and just the fact too, that we have smaller classes um, and we can have that one-on-one -on -one attention. So just a lot of really cool aspects um, at CLA that, that just really captured, captured my heart. I, I know you and I've had some conversations about the class that you're, you're kind of developing here. Um, entrepreneurship. Can you talk uh, about the, about what entre what you mean by entrepreneurship because I mean that can mean so many different things and I know you you're you're big into sort of personal development self-development can you talk about how you kind of weave those things together and what students can expect from your class I know you're still fleshing it out and stuff yeah. but what are some <laughs> some things that you're hoping um, students get to experience yeah, uh, when absolutely. they're with you um, so with entrepreneurship for me, it was really more about the mindsets and the skill set that that it brought. Um, so about a year or so ago, I took a position with um, a startup company near Penn State University, and I had an opportunity to work with a lot of Penn State interns who were interested in doing startups. Um, and so just some of the things that I got to see them experience as far as design thinking, um, empathetic or empathic inquiry. Uh, I just really saw those skills being relatable across the board, no matter what um, career or passion that um, students were choosing. 
So I was really drawn by that. And um, so I decided that I wanted to create a course here at CLA that would be based around those key concepts, um, but would also tie in um, personal and professional development so that students could really figure out who they were. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, what their why is, what their passion is, um, so that they can pursue that. Um, and I just kind of felt like that that would really kind of keep them geared on what their passions are and their focuses um, so that maybe it would be uh, a, a more of an on-ramp to success in yeah. whatever path they chose. Yeah, I think that's, I know Mr. Greenberg's big on connecting students to purpose and their why. I think yes. so many times in education, we just, we prescribe for students, here's what you need to do. Um, and they don't really have a whole lot of voice and there isn't a whole lot of connection to why you're doing it other than um, maybe there's there's some long-term financial reward or we're going to give you, you know, get you into an honor society or, or your d diploma or whatever. I mean, and those are all, those are all worthy things to think about and goals. But um, I used to always challenge my students, um, you know, who were really high-flying students who were getting into all the honor societies who were, you know, vying for valedictorian. I said, have you ever stopped to think about why why you're doing that? Are you just doing it for the academic acclaim that, that comes along with that? Are, are you, you just seeing some type of financial reward? Or is there, what is the real purpose underneath that drive that you have? And um, I think that's that can, even in our most quote unquote successful students that some that why can sometimes be missing um, and without that some students some students aren't making the connection to the financial gain or some students say the financial piece isn't really that important to me I want purpose and meaning but I haven't found it yet so I think it's beautiful and wonderful that we're your class is going to help students connect with that purpose because I think everything then flows out of it. And I figure out why do I need to take these other classes? Why do I need to succeed? Why do I need to study this? It's because I found my passion, my purpose, and those are things that I need to, to make that purpose, you know, come alive. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the biggest things that I want to see in my class is um, students having the, the comfort, confidence and feeling comfortable with exploring that. Um, because I was actually one of those students who was very type A and, you know, um, was taking all the honors courses. And, and I haven't started to find my why or my purpose until later in life. And I, I just think it's something that everyone um, should have the opportunity to experience. Um, so I'm really looking forward to working with the kids here at CLA. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of resonate with that a bit. I was in high school. I was successful in high school by most measures. Um, but I hadn't really connected with, with my why until really my, maybe my senior year of high school. And even then it changed, um, um, as I went into college and then when I got out of college, it, it changed. So, um, so I, I never really established why, you know, why I was doing, why was I going after the A other than, you know, my parents were educators and, you know, we had, you know, uh, academic rewards at the school. And there was, you know, there's this sense that if I get all A's that I'm a good boy I'm, mm -hmm. and I'm a good kid, yeah. I'm, I'm doing the right thing and my parents will be happy with me. And I think all of those things are, are great, but there is, there's, there's this deeper sense of what does my life mean? What is it going to be about? 
Because it can't just be about the grades because then when you get out of school, then what's it about? Exactly. You know, like yep. if, if, it's, if you're just chasing grades and chasing a GPA or just chasing an SAT score, what's it about when all those metrics go away? Then what are you left with? Um, is, is it is it how many numbers are in your bank account? You know, whatever it is, you replace it with something else. And I think a lot of people um, in, in our culture feel disconnected from purpose, um, maybe took a pathway in life based upon what sort of society expected of them or what they thought was going to be um, in, enrich themselves or help them gain the material things that they wanted or the power that they wanted uh, and influence and wound up feeling making it but feeling somewhat empty. And I think that's a, you know, we have such a short amount of time to live on this planet. And the idea also that that we're going to tell students that the only purpose of your first 18 years is to prepare for the next 40 and then you can chill out for the last, you know, 10 to 20 and then die. It's like yeah. you're, you're telling people that basically almost a quarter of their lives they have to spend not living but preparing for a life. Yes. And that is um, such a waste of uh, time without, without connecting students to purpose. I think, I think if, we, if we can help students see, no, you don't have to wait until you get a degree to make a difference. You can make change now. You can make a difference now. You can connect to your purpose now. And then your education is just part of that, that change, just a part of that journey to help you get better at it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was when I worked with some of the um, interns at Penn State, and I was seeing some of the amazing things that that they were doing, um, you know, that same question came into my head: is is why are we why are we waiting when a lot of the students, especially those that you know are applying to CLA or who are already here, have these amazing ideas, um, and we just need to kind of get them going in the right direction. And and so I think what we're doing here is um, going to start out and kind of clear that path for them. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited um, to be at, at Coastal Leadership Academy. Um, I've, I've worked at other high schools, and I, and I don't want to bash other high schools because I've had such great experience. I had a great experience teaching at another local high school um, and was given some autonomy and given a lot of uh, leeway in terms of developing my curriculum. So it was a really great experience. I was surrounded by great people. But what I'm, I think what makes CLA a special place is um, you have leadership at the top who that's, that's pulling you to be innovative and, and, mm -hmm. and, and encouraging you to take risks and to, do, to think of how we can do things differently. And I think that's rare because most most school leaders that I know, and this isn't, you know, I don't want to make generalizations, but I'll say a lot of school leaders that I know tend to want to play it a little bit more safely because um, there's a lot of pressure from the district office and there's a lot of pressure around test scores. And um, there's even pressure from sometimes the community and from parents. Um, and they tend to, tend to actually want to, want the teachers to play it a little more safely and um, so they can keep things aligned. And, uh, you know, you and I think talked um, last week about failing forward. Mm, um, and yes. I had talked to someone at One Stone about, about that and about the importance, what a life skill that is to, to have the freedom to fail, to try something new, have the freedom to fail, but you're failing forward because whatever you tried, you realized it didn't work. 
And I want to bring in uh, Mr. Smalldown on this conversation. I, we just found out that he's also not only the uh, sort of technology coordinator here, but he's also the exterminator, apparently. <laughs> uh, we just saw, I saw you get rid of a bug <laughs> that was about to attack. So, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Smalldown. I, I will say it always surprises me how many students are against that, though, because we have students that will save the bugs. Uh, so I, I do feel bad sometimes because I had to, I remember my first year, I had students that would basically say, oh, look, it's a potato bug. And it would take five minutes for them to get a paper towel, go down, you know, sweep it up, go to the back door, let it out. And so I always think to ask usually before I, you know, if I see one, I'm like, hey, does anyone want to save this? And usually three or four people will raise their hand. But yeah, it was Very uh, nice. It was an it's unexpected job perk. <laughs> do they do they pay you a little extra for that? Uh, no, that's no. my volunteer work. <laughs> uh, so I will I'll take that as my service hours. Um, so um, for those uh, who might be listening who who aren't who don't know you, um, can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, where where you're sort of background experiences? So we, we've been down here several years now. I did a little bit of everything before I did a career change and went to teaching. Um, initially, when I was younger, I started out wanting to teach. And uh, for one reason or another, you know, didn't go that direction at first. But uh, finally, you know, many years later, I was granted the opportunity to do a career change. So I went back to school, you know, got my degree got my certification and have been teaching now for four years and you know couldn't be happier it's one of those things that all the cliches are true as far as you know you have to really love teaching and and some people are meant to do it I am fully bought into that even after you know my first year I was it's just there I don't want to say there's nothing more rewarding because you know everybody has their own kind of uh, benefits that they look for but it is just so awesome and it's great to just come in every day, especially here. Uh, I don't have experience teaching in like a bigger school, but here the amount of connection that you make with the students just uh, from a, you know, learning level and really getting to know them, I think that it benefits everybody, uh, students, parents. Um, you know, I see parents out a lot of times and they're just like, hey, you know, how you been? And a lot of that comes from being a smaller school, uh, mm -hmm. but it also comes from the students that we have coming here. I mean, they really buy in for the most part as far as, you know, why they're here. Yeah. Um, you get the few every once in a while that are just kind of, ah, I'm here. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, it is a it is a big family here, and it's really great to be able to come into that every day from a, from a coworker standpoint, from a student standpoint, from a, you know, administration standpoint. It's great. Um, but other than that, like I said, I, I do teach math, which, you know, my students always say, oh, well, you have to love math because you teach it. And I'm like, no, I teach it because I love it. So I am admittedly a huge nerd from the math mm. side and all other sides. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like I said, the uh, technology is also a perk that I have. So I get to, you know, be the one they come to when they can't remember to type the password incorrectly and all that. So you'd be amazed how many times the Wi-Fi goes down because the password is typed in wrong. Uh, Mr. Scholl, you just need to turn your computer on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there is, there is a, yeah, there is a running joke from last year that if any student walked in while I was teaching, all of my students would be like, did you try to turn it off and turn it back on again? Because that is the initial response. Right. Um, other than that, no, it's, uh, it's, you know, a lot, a lot of fun being here. And, yeah. 
you know, it has to be. You you can't come into, from my small experience, can't come into doing something like teaching and, and not be in a good mood. Um, yeah. One, you know, you don't ever want to be in a bad mood going to work, I think. Um, and two, the students will sense it, and they're not going to be in a good mood. So how can we expect them to be excited about learning if you're, you know, sitting there with a frown on your face or pouting around all day? So, you yeah. know. One of the things that drew me here was, you know, I'm, I got to meet mem- different members of the, the staff, and um, and it just seemed like they were um, happy and enjoyed being here and that there was a sense of purpose. There was a sense of sort of shared purpose. And I've seen, you know, I've watched you, and um, it's so valuable to have people on your team who aren't here because it's a job, but here because this is like you feel like a passion uh, it's something that it's where you want to be. It's not like I'm just doing this to get the paycheck. And 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 let me let me say let me say this that we should get paychecks. <laughs> I mean, teachers should get paychecks. I would say, but it's uh, usually unfortunately but, you know, the way society has become, uh, they do require you to pay for a lot of things. Um, yeah. So you know, unfortunately, it is something that we are needing. Yeah, um, but it's been it's been really interesting to watch I, I, your passion for the school is is palpable um and it's and it's easy to see if you're just around you for even a short amount of time and so i know that what you bring to the culture and to the uh, the cla family as a whole is is so impactful and important um what would you say um uh, what was it that about cla that besides its size and sort of the family uh, atmosphere, what would you say about it that that makes it a special place where you would want to see maybe your son or uh, you would encourage other high school students to come here? What is it? What is it? What is the secret sauce? The biggest thing for me is that in my classes and, and from what I've seen in all the classes, it's the... I don't want to say creativity. The word I would use is freedom of choice as far as how you learn. Um, you're learning the same things, the standards and, and the concepts that you're learning, but you are able to express that in a different way. Um, that's, again, from my experience, unlike, not any other school, but unlike most schools, you are not going to sit here and have a lecture for an hour and then do a worksheet. Yeah. And the next day have a lecture for an hour and do a worksheet. I mean, when I started here, you know, the, the big selling point for everything was project-based learning. And that's kind of always evolving because I've seen some projects and I've done some projects where they say, you know, well, what are they, what are we going to turn in? And that to me is, is becoming less and less the point. It's like, well, I want the answer to be, we'll turn in whatever you feel demonstrates that concept. Um, you know, and I've done things where my classes have built catapults and we've done, if you've ever watched engineering competitions, the popsicle bridge, uh, yeah. where you actually do, you know, build a bridge out of popsicles, see how much weight it can hold. We've done that. Now, are those great projects? Do they always turn out where they're super in depth? No, but, um, the, freedom to on my end kind of try different right. things and see what works for students as opposed to just saying okay today we're going to learn about fractions and you're going to have a quiz tomorrow and right. then tomorrow we're going to learn about decimals and you're going to have a quiz the next day um the the way that we gauge that especially going forward with the mastery based grading is you know do you understand it and how did you show me you understand it if a student wants to go out and show me a bunch of geometry concepts by building a deck at their house 
versus taking a 50 question quiz. I mean, both ways can prove that you understand something, right. but the freedom to say, well, look, I can't take this test, but I totally understand it. And I can show you by doing this. I love being able to see that because, mm. you know, it's, it's not fun to sit in grade papers all day and right. we have to do it sometimes, <laughs> but I, I love seeing the creative ways that, that students come up with to, to examine things that, especially yeah. in math, uh, you know, majority of students come in and they have this, I hate math mindset. Yeah. And, um, I don't want to say I'm going to change everybody's mind because some people are just really not going to enjoy math. And, but, uh, the hope is that when we get to things that they quote unquote hate or don't enjoy, I can at least let them see that, well, look, you know, you're going to use it. It may not be just sitting here writing it on a piece of paper. You may get to a point 10 years down the road where you use it when you're working on your car or you used it when you were doing some handiwork around your house. And I kind of want to make them see that the age old question, when am I ever going to learn this? There's not one single answer. Usually yeah. there's, well, you tell me when are you going to use it? Go, go out and see where you think this concept would apply to your life, whether it's now or for what mm. you want to do as a career or something like that. So yeah. long winded answer that, you know, I like the fact that we are, we're still adhering to these, again, standards and topics and, and content areas that we have to teach. But, you know, the creativity comes in where we can say, you know, well, right. there's 15 different students and you might show me 15 different ways that you understand yeah. this, you know, mathematical concept or a computer science concept. And, and, and I think that, you know, there's so many students and teachers who find themselves in a different type of scenario where there is a single textbook, there's a single pacing guide there. Everybody's doing the same problems and the yeah. same assessments and the, and, and I think that's what, if you're, if that type of learning doesn't work for you, you're, you're stuck with it. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's kind of where I, how I felt. I was just totally turned off to math because that's how it was. The approach was, that's the approach that was taken with me. And I think what you're doing is so beautiful because you're helping students connect relevance to the mathematic, yeah, mathematics and, concepts. And I feel like that, you know, the term real world connection is, is taken very literally a lot of times. And depending on what concept you look at, if you use the internet and stuff like that and look up ideas for how it's taught, um, you'll find these real world connections, but it, it's the same real world connection that's been used for like 15 years. And part of me yeah. is like, okay, we get it. Uh, you can use, you know, uh, triangles to, to prove structural rigidity in bridges, but how many of our students are going to build bridges or yeah. become engineers? You may have someone that is going to be a video game designer, or you may have someone going into, you know, uh, film production or something like that. And where do the triangles come in for them? Yeah. Uh, that, that's where I look at it. And I had a student uh, two years ago that gave me a very insightful, you know, albeit blunt response to one of my projects. And he just basically said, he's like, well, you know, this was fun and all, but I'm never, I'm never going to use this in real life. He's like, I want, I would love to be able to, you know, yeah. choose a different type of project. So that's where it, you know, kind of hit home for me that I really do need to focus as much as I love to have these concrete and great yeah. ideas where, Hey, we're all going to do this. If it doesn't work for all the students, then it's not really beneficial for 
a project or, or an assessment. And that's, so. that's awesome. Cause you're, you're not forcing a square peg into a round hole and, uh, and, and it, it requires a teacher to get their egos out of the way. You know, you're, you're, you have to, like when you get that kind of feedback and Maddie, maybe you can talk about this. Like when you get that kind of feedback, a lot of teachers say, well, tough, that's, it's my way. This is the way we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And they don't listen to that student input but I think it's wonderful that you and I think a lot of CLA teachers are willing to take that input and modify and and make the curriculum alive for and relevant to each individual student. Maybe you have some. Thoughts yeah, on no, that. I was just gonna say, and I think it's an a testament to um, Principal Greenberg because you know he creates that atmosphere for his staff, which allows us to create that same atmosphere for our students, or you know to kind of like. Um, embody that and, and yeah. you know, to be able like for, um, for a student to be able to express like, well, this is all, this is great, but I couldn't use it. Like uh, it kind of goes along with the whole failing forward and, you know, just allowing us as teachers to be able to do that. Like principal Greenberg encourages that. um, And he encourages that from the students. And I just think that that is, is something like you said, it's it's part of the secret sauce here at CLA for sure. Um, So one last little topic I wanted to cover, and I'm hoping that when I listen to this episode uh, in January or February, we'll be like, remember that time when we were uh, (laughs) dealing with coronavirus and it was crazy? I know, Maddie, you've got to be feeling somewhat like I do, which is, you know, you're, you're coming on board at CLA and you're not coming on at a normal time. You know, it's like, I think we all have this vision of like, I ha- at least I have a vision coming on board here at CLA. Here's what my classes are going to be like, and here's what we're going to do. And you're like, no, wait a second. Uh, coronavirus is still here. Um, I know, Nick, you had to really kind of change gears in March, like on the on a dime. Um, I'd like to kind of, we'll start with Maddie. Um, as we kind of approach, we're only a few weeks away from the beginning of this school year, and coronavirus is still creating so many uncertainties and worries and concerns and stuff what are your kind of thoughts about that as you move into this year what are some opportunities so that i think know that it's important for us to look at what positive outcomes could come from this not just you know oh woe is me what's going to happen but what are some things your thoughts about that as we head into this year um you know i think one of the things that's really kind of jumping out for me is the fact that um looking at education over the past several years and and I too have been involved in in different types of schools and atmospheres um and you know everybody's I I think going to be trying to do the very best that they can um as we go in into the fall um I think one of the things that I'm I'm just most excited for is the fact that this I I think is going to flip education on its on its head Mm. um and I think that's something that has is far overdue um you know I kind of if you're looking at the history of education a little bit it's still kind of geared around industrialization um and i think we're now past you know producing kids kind of like um with what nick had said like you know the same projects the same outcomes um and that's just not something that they're going to be seeing in life either um so yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be hectic, uh, and it's going to be that way for for everybody. Um, I know we've talked about this a lot. I'm going to be addressing a lot of um, 
uh, empathy and mindfulness in my classes too, yeah. because we're all going to be trying to do the best that we can. Uh, but I'm just super excited for what, how, how this really could disrupt education yeah. um, and move us forward in a path, uh, like I said, that is, is far overdue. Yeah. I was watching a report the other day and they said that at mo a lot of tech companies, they, they had had about 20% of their employees were working um, at home from home before this started. And now it's going to be more like, you know, 40 to 50%, even moving forward, even when coronavirus is over, because they've realized that a lot of work can be done from home. So one of the things that I think is happening for students is, and this is um, serendipitous, I think for some of them, what is learning the, the, the skill of being able to work remotely, work from home, having, learning some self-discipline about, I can't always, you know, if I, I can work from home and ha and develop that kind of self-discipline to, to get things done and still be effective, that's a really great skill set to take into a potential career. Um, obviously, we'd love to see our kids. I think, I don't, yes. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody um, who's like, well, there may be a few people, but I know I'm, I want to see the kids. I want the kids here. I want to uh, interact with them in, in face to face. Um, but I think we have to look for these opportunities and, 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 and emphasize the things that we can learn from, from this disruption. Yeah. Nick, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say this as my kind of my final statement, because I do actually have one student here okay. uh, mm -hmm. that I am working with face to face. So, um, overall, I think that the, I don't think anybody would say this is ideal. Um, the biggest challenge I think is, is student buy-in. Um, yeah. I, I definitely had a sense where, uh, and I think that was all around Horry County from what I've heard, that you had a certain percentage of students that kind of used this as an excuse almost, yeah. where they were like, oh, well, this is totally, they're going to be okay if I just stop doing anything. Yeah. And do I think that that's true? No. Um, I definitely think there's, you know, a little bit of leniency there because of how unprecedented this is. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as going into next year, I mean, pivot is the, the word that I use a lot is yeah. in the sense that you have to be able to pivot on a dime. Yeah. And even right now, like you said, we're a couple weeks away. We realistically, um, can kind of put some frames together as far as how we're going to do things. But you know, that could all change. Uh, it could yeah. all change tomorrow where they say, Oh, nope, sorry. You right, know, virtual again, or they could say, you know what? No, everybody's back in school, and we we have to be willing to kind of allow some leeway, but also you know make sure that there is the normalcy that students do expect from I'll call it quote unquote traditional school scheduling, yeah. um, where they come into school Monday through Friday and they have their classes they sit in, and, and unfortunately, uh, I think that it's still going to be a bit of time before anything even seems normal because there's going to be this hesitation every day. If we start with a, you know, a hybrid, uh, I still think every day there's going to be this hesitation to like, what if, what if, what if, right. um, and, you know, it makes me, you know, a little bit hesitant on my sure. own because I don't want to give them this grand overview of how the next three, four months are going to go. Mm -hmm. But I also don't want them to be like, Hey, we're just going to take this day by day. Right. We'll wing it like that. That doesn't give them any more confidence. Right. Um, so like I said, the biggest thing for me is just trying to find that fine line between, uh, you know, pivot ability. I think I just made up a word, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to we'll take it. Yeah. Pivot ability <laughs> and, uh, consistency. Uh, there has to be that. But again, 
it, it has to be on both ends. If the students aren't, aren't there, then if you're trying to keep normalcy and they're just with this mindset of, well, whatever you could say this, right. but it's going to change tomorrow. Then, you know, again, the learning's not going to occur in an efficient way. So that's a really um, good point. Like I said, I do apologize for having to step out. Oh, so it has been a pleasure. And, uh, if <laughs> well, you thank need you, any Nick. more, uh, extracurricular duties in here, I am right down the hall. <laughs> okay. Well, right. we'll see any more bugs. I'll make sure to come get you. Thank you, Nick. Well, we're going to wrap up this episode. Um, Maddie, any final thoughts before we uh, close up here? Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I'm super excited to be a part of CLA. As I know, we've had discussions, you are as well. Um, And I know the fall isn't going to be probably how we pictured it, how students pictured it, maybe family and, and board members in the community. Um, but I, I, I couldn't feel any more confident, you know, stepping into a role yeah. with this school. Um, so yeah, I'm just super excited. I feel the same way. Super excited. It's, it's great, great to get to know you, Maddie, and I'm looking forward to, to working with you. And I know our students are going to benefit from their, their time with you. So thanks for your time today. Absolutely. And always we'll, a pleasure. We'll keep positively disrupting the status quo. <laughs> yes, as always. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Arrow. Visit our website, coastalleadershipacademy.org, and you can find us on Facebook at Coastal Leadership and on Instagram at Coastal underscore Leadership underscore Academy and on Twitter at CLA Archers. Thanks so much again for listening. We'll catch you next time on The Arrow.